Hey, 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 closet busters and bold move makers. It is time once again for Life Uncloset. So I want you to gather around because it is time once again to kick down those closet doors of your life. We're here to escape our BS, explore our fears, and elevate our self-expression. I'm your host, Rick Clemens. I'm the bold move expert and that coming out guy who's going to take you to the party, the pulpit, the wake, and back to the party of living your life uncloset. So come on along with me and grab hold of yourself and get ready to step out, step up, and step into facing your fears, making your bold moves, and living life without apologies. Now let's get to the show. It is Pride season, and I hope everybody is so excited about stepping up into Pride season and being who you are in the world. And I am thrilled, thrilled, thrilled because I have a guest today who we met years and years ago. We both are older and wiser as we tend to be (laughs) as we age, but um, she has been somebody that I've looked up to and I love her messages. We have lots of commonalities of what we do, but she got a book out that came out right before our little planet visitor COVID came to visit. And I love that it's challenging all of us to step up, like literally step up into even being more courageous in our worlds and being leaders in our own right. Even if you're not a leader, we all lead ourselves. Surprise, surprise, bitches. We all lead ourselves. So um, her name is Ash Beckham. And I'm going to just shut up and say, let's do this, girlfriend. It's been a while and glad to have you here. So uh, Absolutely. Happy Pride, Rick. I'm so excited to be here. You too. And and man, life has changed. I mean, you got kids now. You're married. (laughs) I'm balder, you know. (laughs) I'm grayer. You're grayer, but your hair's still just as spiky as it's always been. So, uh, <laughs> except you were bald at one point. Come on, let's tell the truth, right? You had kind of Absolutely. that shaved head thing going. Yeah, on. So, went through uh, a phase. Went through the phase for sure. Yeah, yeah. So, um, as you've gotten older and wiser, I mean, suddenly here's this great book. It's called "Step Up: How to Live with Courage and Become an Everyday Leader." Why? What? What was? What was the impetus of this? You know, because I can I can go a lot of different ways. With what I think it was the impetus, but um, I'd love to hear like sure. what brought you to your quote writing knees to go. This one's got to get out in the world. So right, right. Well, I had met. You know, I, I was doing speaking either at colleges and universities or corporations or conferences, and there was so right. many people that would come up after I spoke and and say, "Oh, that's so great." You know, these are these are such great leadership skills or leadership tools that that you're giving us like empathy and responsibility, humility. When I am a dot, 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 when I get my dot, 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 and they would. And and so there was this, this break, this fissure between how they saw themselves and how people saw them. You know, if I would ask the room who thinks they're a leader, a lot of times, especially if it was people entering the workforce or freshmen, you know, you'd get like 20% of people to raise their hand. But if you say, who thinks the person next to them is a leader, everybody would raise their hand. So to me, it was a, a piece of really getting to know, to, to, to embrace that role as leader from wherever you are. Like you said, be a leader of ourselves, be a leader of one, that we protect and claim spaces and we can make those spaces safe for people to be authentic. And, and that is what leadership looks like. And it isn't just something we do when we open our laptop or when we get to our house at the end of the day or wherever we see ourselves as leaders, it's, it's a, it's like a lifestyle choice, right? It becomes right. integrated into our, our fabric of, of how we approach the world. And so I wanted people to know from CEOs to the bench warmer on the sixth grade soccer team, that, that you are a leader yep. and here are some tools in your toolkit to help you approach situations in a way that can help you flex that leadership muscle. Right. And I love the toolkit. I mean, I, I've been, I, I, you, you all listening can't see it, but I showed Ash when she came on to record this. I'm like, I feel like Oprah. I have my post-it notes on all these pages because it's just, it's really good. And I love the structure of it and everything, but also I want to challenge some of y'all that are listening. Hopefully you're, you're, y'all are having fun with pride, but you're still kind of tuned in here that even going to pride, you're leading, you're leading by just showing up for pride. That's like, Hey, I'm leading the world to still say, we need to still be seen and heard. And I hope we never lose that capability to like, okay, but it would be kind of nice to like, hey, do we have to tell people to see us and hear us anymore? But that's a leadership thing in and of itself. I think coming out's yeah. a, a leadership thing in and of itself too. Absolutely. And I feel like for some people, you know, going to a pride march or being or participating in pride, um, one of the ways that we can step up, and that was the other thing. There's a couple, a couple pieces to the title, but 
you know, the step isn't some giant, huge leap, right? It's not like scaling a cliff. It's just one incremental step after one incremental step. Like there's something you can do today by the end of the day or after you listen to this podcast, one thing that you can do differently that can change your leadership skill set, right? You can make yourself a little bit uncomfortable. So to me, being involved in pride in whatever capacity you are, do you tell one person that you typically wouldn't talk about it with? You know, you're not trying to like recruit anybody. You're not trying to bring anybody along, but it's an openness of, hey, what are you doing this weekend? Mm -hmm. You know, and there's that really easy, hey, I'm hanging out with friends or whatever, you know, whatever it might be. But then there's a person that you wouldn't say that to that you would say, Actually, I'm going to Pride. There's a, you know, I'm going to a rally and then I'm going out with a bunch of buddies afterwards or friends I haven't seen, right? right. N- n- it's not political. It's just what you do. And does that solicit questions? Maybe, maybe not. Does it out you? Maybe, maybe not. But it normalizes the conversation in this is just something I do. And yeah. that's the leadership piece, right? We're so concerned that we have to, a lot of times vet or, um, filter things we say, we make instant judgments on the audience that we're speaking to. And then we decide, well, how much of an authentic version of ourselves are we going to be? Now, that might not be the same coworker that you show pictures of yourself in short shorts, like right. kissing up on somebody, right? Like right. there's boundaries in that. <clears throat> but at the same time, does, does that mean I, I, do I say I go to pride? And so I think that broader outness that opened a conversation that would ever be, and they might not right then say, Oh, me too. Or I have a niece that's struggling or whatever, but you, you, as a leader, you put yourself out as a resource. If that person does have a question, it is a subject that you've broached. And so it opens the door for them. And that's all we want to do is have conversations. And again, it might not be that week or that month, but when their brother's kid is coming out and they're struggling, you then become a person they can talk to. And that to me is is what leadership looks like in this context. I love that because there's there's a line that's in the very intro of your book that calls for that introspection piece that's like, okay, before you can really lead, and so much of this, and I guess because I coach people, a lot of people coming out, but my practice has changed a lot over the years where I'm coaching people to step out to be who they are, no matter gay, lesbian, whatever, right? <clears throat> And there's this interesting thing that happens is everybody keeps looking external. Well, okay, when this happens out here, and with, and the line in your book that like as soon as I started reading through it, it like jumped at me and bit me on the ass was before you look out, look in. And when you look out at okay, oh that person's asking me what I'm doing this weekend, it's not their responsibility to like get you, but that right. also isn't your responsibility to say, don't you get this? Don't you understand? Whatever you know, like look within yourself and go, how would I like to position this with this person? Which kind of leads into the empathy and the hearing and everything else that you put in this book. But I think it's a beautiful question to ask yourself on a daily basis. Am I always looking out or do I need to look more in before I do whatever it is I do? Right. And how much am I projecting my fear of what that person might say or rumors that I've heard or my judgment? You know, an an easy one is like, well, they talk about going to church all the time. So obviously they're not going to understand this. So like we're making these snap judgments about people and we're doing the exact thing that we don't want people to do about us. And it's a, it's a defense mechanism. And I get it. Like we're trying to protect ourselves and, and we're assessing um, safe spaces. But I yep. think as leaders, there's an openness that we have to have, like make that person have that comment, like give them the opportunity to surprise you, right? Like it would mm-hmm. so much rather, you know, we're we're all strong enough and established enough and 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 in our skin enough that if one person smirks or feels awkward or doesn't know what to say when we say we're going to pride, like that's okay. But how do you find that ally that you didn't know exists? How do you right. find that person who's never told some, you know what I mean, who's never told somebody about their brother? Right. right. Who's gay. Like they just right. never say that they never out themselves as that. So, so how do we open that door for people to come in? It's, then it's on mm-hmm. them, right? Like right. they, it, it takes a lot for them to open that door, but when we leave it open, then the burden's off of us. Right. right. If you want to have this interaction, great. If you don't, that's fine too. It's all on you, but, but I'm, it's like a control thing that we have to let go of to allow people 
to stumble and trip and make mistakes, but, but, but be part of it and show up and really surprise us in a lot of ways. Well, and it's in one of your first steps to having that really genuine, curious conversation. Right. If, exactly. if we're not open to being curious and, and I, I mean, I, I don't think either you or I is going to say we don't love our LGBTQ community, but at times we can sure shut the fucking door really quick. Like, mm, nope, they don't get me. Yeah. How do you, how do you know? Right. I've been there and I'm not going to say I don't get there sometimes in certain instances, but also what is that curiosity that needs to exist in order to go, okay, am I second guessing? And I, I work, I, I work for a company now in addition to my private practice where I can make a lot of assumptions about everything in the company because it, it on the surface, it comes off as very Christian, which it is. I'm not going to discount that at all. But I also have found that Rick just being who he is in the company has opened up so many beautiful conversations. I'll never Absolutely. forget one of our, one of our sales team approached me through the, you know, our, our conversations, not, person to person, but through our, we use Slack for a lot of internal conversations. And they shared with me that, Hey, I have a brother that lives close to you. And I'm pretty sure he's struggling with his sexuality. And I'd, I'd love to have him connect with you. What do I do? I said, you know what? I'm so honored that you said this. And I said, let me give you some really good advice. I'd love to help your brother, but you got to let him help himself to the, to this work. And, and as a brother, I get your love for him. I get it. You want your brother to be nothing but happy. We could not have had this whole conversation if I was not, if I was closed off and like, nope, this whole company doesn't get me. I'm just going to come and earn my money and move on. And I think that's a lot of what you're getting at is these, you know, there's several steps. I'm not going to give them all away, Ash, because I want him to go buy your book. I want him oh. to go get the book. <laughs> but I think this is one of the things, especially in this lovely polarized world that we live in. Um, I even catch myself having a hard time sometimes like, okay, but what if I was curious? What if I gave myself that gift of being curious? So what have you learned as you've started to do this and you wrote the book, but as you've spoken all over the place on this, how do you help somebody suddenly like step into that curiosity space rather than, nope, this is who we are. We're the LGBTQ community and you got to see us. How do you help people bend through and get into that curious space? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a huge piece of it. I think it's that personal, I think it's that personal connection. It's like at the root of empathy, right? It's it's really hard. I feel like this was kind of in the role of, of coming out and so many of us and the realization and probably still exists, but to me it felt like, you know, 80s, 90s, Oof. there was this othering of gay people and and this um, villainization of gay people. And then you met somebody gay and you're like, what? They're fine. The same person as they were before. I mean, I feel like so many times I come out to people back home and I would be like, I don't want you to think differently of me because I'm gay. I want you to think differently of gay people because now you know one. And I'm the right. same kid that, you know, went to, you know, played basketball with your daughter and was on the honor roll with your son. Like I'm the same person. It's no, it's no different. And so what does that look like? And I feel like we're so quick to see ourselves as, uh, you know, within our community as so unique and independent, but we see those others as like the monolith, but you meet one person, you get one surprise from somebody like the conversation that you had or the connection that you made. And one person changes that and, and you realize that you're really selling short an entire population. Like is everybody, you know, are you, not, is there going to be disappointment? Definitely. But like, I don't, I feel like, most people are good. And mm-hmm. we all know that like right. we're scared and there's hurt and there's pain behind some of the, you know, close friendships that have been derailed and are coming out. But like truly, genuinely, most people are good. We care about the same things. We love our family. We're loyal friends. We're honest. We're, we want to be part of our community, right? Like these very baseline things. is I always think of it as like a tree, right? Like we don't want to try to connect with somebody who's on different ends of the branches right but if we connect at the trunk all the things that are the same then the branches don't seem like that big a deal because we have that common connection so exactly what you're saying like we just we have we can't expect people to know what it's like to be us if we're not willing 
to tell them what that journey has been like, the good, the bad, the indifferent, the hurt, the vulnerability, like that is not easy, but that's how we make that connection. And that's how we get somebody to come back. Like I can tell somebody, you know, like you can, you can slam the door, but we need, and I think is as clear as could be right now from the direct attacks that are coming at the trans community is like, we need all the allies we can get. Yep. <laughs> because you don't know the 56 genders on Facebook or you stumble over your pronouns. Like I stumble over pronouns, right? Yep. Like it's not bad. It doesn't make you bad. It's it's a almost 50 years for me of associating plural pronouns with plural verbs, right? It's still a trip. And I, yep. and I do it and I try and I practice but like there has to be some grace for ourselves and for other people. And if they're going to come to us as, as a resource, we gotta, we gotta meet them where they are. Like sometimes all we have to ask somebody to do is try. And if they're trying, genuinely trying, and we know in our guts when people are trying, right. They're trying, like, how can we help them? How do we be an ally to allies? Like how do we Mm -hmm. take the power that we have that that person is so scared that they're going to say the wrong thing that they say nothing. Mm-hmm. right like that's well, on us well it's kind of like villainizing all christians who say but i'm a christian and like fuck you done with you 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 don't like the lgbtq community blah blah, blah. i and i have been in that energy and totally. it's really hard for me to like step away from that at times but i've also learned okay there are certain people that that's the only way they can show up and there is i'm not gonna waste my energy with them but when exactly. I have somebody who says, well, I'm a Christian and I also can hear in their voice, help me understand, mm-hmm. help me see something different. And when I can meet them there and go, okay, so help me understand too, how I can help you. Now we got something beautiful going on. Right. You know, it's, and I've experienced this in my own family and it's not hundred percent perfect yet, but we're better than we've ever been with my own parents where we agree to somewhat disagree on that whole Christianity thing. But when I can sit and have a conversation and say, but here, let me tell you something. I'm not throwing religion away. I'm throwing, I'm not going to throw God away. I'm just throwing the particular religion that you tend to practice away because I don't see it that way. I'm not throwing God away or a higher power or belief in something greater than myself. Of course, when I say something greater, greater than myself, then that's when I see the eyebrows raise again. Well, do you really believe it? <laughs> I'm like, right, right, right. At least there's something I don't, I mean, I'm not knocking atheists either because I can see that point of view as well. I just wish through things such as learning how we lead ourselves into things that we can start to open the doorways. And again, I'm raising my hand, folks. You can't see it. Well, Ash's going, no, you're not, Rick. You're not raising your hand right now. But I'm not saying I'm perfect at this, but I sure keep trying. Right. And I would say, I would say that anybody who claims to be perfect is not pushing themselves enough. Right. Like this, there is no finish line in this thing. There is no, like, you can go through your family, you can go through your friends, you can have your people that make the list or don't make the list. And you still have to go to the grocery store and you have to run in and you, and you go to the clerk that misgenders you or whatever your experiences, like there are still other humans you are going to come in contact with. Like it, it, there's no finish line. It's just the person that you want to be. Like, who do you want to be? Are you striving to be a better version of yourself, a more inclusive version of yourself? Right. And, and I feel like, like you said, like along with the Christianity piece, that's like the beauty of empathy, right? I don't have to agree with somebody. I just have to be willing to understand their perspective. Right. Mm -hmm. So there's no, like, I don't have to concede my perspective. I can, at the end of the day, adamantly agree with them. But, but how do we get to the, why they got there, how they got there? Mm-hmm. Like, what are the teachings they followed? What is their human experience that got them there? What are the influences they have had their, throughout their life that have gotten them to the point to believe the things that they believe? Okay. Like I can understand how you got there. I, here's, here's another way. Here's some options, but I'm not, I'm not attacking or criticizing how you got there. Like that's your path. That'd be like somebody criticizing me for coming out in my twenties and right. not in my teens. Like you, right. you didn't walk the path. Like you didn't, you didn't know the context that I was right. in. So don't judge it. Just like understand I'm willing to tell you why. So I, I think that's it is the curiosity is, isn't rooted in changing anybody's mm-hmm. mind or not thinking they're trying to change ours. It's rooted in truly trying to understand where they're coming from because people don't just 
wake up hating. Like no. it's just like not how it works. I mean, we've we've talked about kids, and yours are obviously older, but I have a four-year-old and a one-year-old. Like they don't hate anything. I mean, I guess my son like hates Venom from Marvel. You know what I mean? Like he hates villains. That's about it. And we're still like, ah, don't use the H word. You know what I mean? Right, but, like, right. But like that's they don't hate. They don't hate anything. They they learn to hate, or they have human experiences, mm-hmm. or they're influenced to hate. They're taught to hate. Like however they get there. So like. Let's get to that. Let's understand that. That and I can understand how you got there. And then, and that's the thing to me about the book is like they say when every uh, when all you have is a hammer, everything looks like a nail. But yeah. like to me, these are such nuanced conversations that that's why you have the toolkit. Like sometimes you need empathy. Sometimes you need a little bit of courage. Sometimes you need humility. Like it's this you're making a recipe of how to go towards any situation to be the leader that you want to be. And 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 that understanding, not agreeing with. Just understanding is to me the first step. If you can't get there, then then it's going to be tough to to step into your leadership in that in that context. And again, like you said, like some people, you just bounce. You're just like, you know what? Mm, nice. You know what I mean? Like that's it. Right. You be yeah. you. I'll be me. You we'll, you we'll go breathe your you go breathe your oxygen. I'll go breathe mine. Mm-hmm. We'll see where this all goes. We'll, Thank you for the lesson. Right, <laughs> exactly. The, you know what I mean? Like one of those, and then you just walk away. Right, like right. I get that, but at the same time, the that is a, a such a small, small segment of people mm-hmm. that we need to be willing to at least do the work to get to that point to write somebody off. Right. But I also feel like what you're <laughs> what you're speaking about is not it's just an extension of, and here's how Ash and I actually kind of met. And she's heard me tell this story. I'm like, the bitch stole my thunder because she had this talk coming out of your closet. But when you think about that, we're not that far from what you originally started talking about. This is like, we're still coming out of our closets. We're coming out of our closets to be leaders. We're stepping up to be out of the closet on who we want to be in this world. And I was on a podcast the other day and, you know, I'm in the midst. I don't know if this happens to you. I I bet it does. Because those of us who write and speak, you know, we'll have this epiphany in the middle of saying something. They're like, damn, why didn't I write that down? You know, I don't really want to go listen to the whole freaking podcast again to figure out what it was I said. Because by the time I get done, I'm like, I know I said something really profound, but I'm not sure exactly where it was. But I did write this one down and it was interesting because I just kind of started reading through your book and skimming through it, getting ready for this. And when I, when I got to the curiosity um, lesson, which is interesting because curiosity is like the second piece of my process, I thought, you know, this whole empathy and seeing each other, the human experience gets lost without the art of curiosity. Absolutely. And it's so interesting. That's brilliant. And I wanted I to bring it. that up because I, so let's, let, okay, let's beat up on our little own community here because we're in the middle of pride yeah. and you know this shit's going down. Yeah. You're going to walk into pride. You're going to be at some parade. You're going to be at some rally and you're going to see something. You're like, they shouldn't be doing that. I'm like, really? Why didn't you get curious about why they do do that? Right. Why do they show up dressed that way? Why do they feel comfortable dancing half naked on a float? Why do some people kind of go, I need to be in my posse. I just need to be in my posse. I just need my, you know, if we just are curious, there's so much more to the human experience that we're going to understand, enjoy. And as you just said, thanks for the lesson, learn from when we're curious. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and there's just like, I think once you start to embrace that, just like you're talking about embracing curiosity, like. I, and this might not be the case for everyone, but I assume it's the case for you too. Like, I love people. We went out recently to this, um, like they kind of reopened, you know, post COVID first time they were starting to do things in the spring. And we were at um, live music at these different venues in, uh, in my town in Longmont. And, and we went and it was the first time people had gathered that I had been around that had gathered indoors in a significant way. Right. And people were feeling themselves like they were loving being out and being themselves. Like everyone was so happy. And I was like, God, I love people. I love the weirdos. I love, I'm a weirdo. Like I love people that are enjoying themselves. And like, why did dot, 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 you know what I mean? Like, but there's like a reason, like people, they might not be rational, but there's like Mm -hmm. a source of why people do what they do. Right. You're talking about pride and you're like, maybe, that person lives in a world, a professional world where they can never do that. 
And this exactly. is it. This is their outlet, right? And and those of us that sit in a different sphere or like are professional gays, like I don't understand. I can't imagine what that's like. But if I can for a second sit with what it might feel like to never be able to be out except for the float. Yep. That is like that hurts my heart for that. It hurts my heart tremendously. And it isn't, and I'm not sympathetic, and I certainly don't pity them. Like you, no. you do you. I'm with you. But like that is so and that extension and connection of emotion to me is like do whatever you want man like Mm -hmm. let me let me hold your tassels like i'll do whatever you want how can i support you be this version of you that you need to be in this environment right and that's just like a mental shift and that doesn't take away from me or my any my gayness my anything Mm -hmm. like you do you and I'll do me. And that's like what we're supposed to do here. And I can make up a bunch of stories in my head of why, but who does that serve? Right. Like that's, and that's like what you said in the beginning, right? Like right. that's more about the looking in. That's way more about me. Mm-hmm. Than <laughs> it is. About it, right. Yeah. And so like, yeah. how do I get to that and kind of uncover that, deal with that. And then like embrace, embrace people. Mm-hmm. And I think the embracing is, is so key because I know and I'm going to try to tell this story without I'm, I'm going to try to tell it without like calling these beautiful friends out. But we have some friends who just recently visited us and they have been a couple. They're actually married and they live a whole different life in their home. They have grown kids that they believe don't get it. I'm kind of like, really? You sleep in the same bedroom. Really? Right. But I'm not going to knock them about that. That's how they have to do them, you know? Yeah. And when, when I think when Ash and I say, oh, I just, you know, I feel for him. It's not like, get over it and just finally do what you got. You know, no, you got to be you. In fact, and you've spoken enough colleges and universities, and I know this has happened. The kids that always came up after I'd spoken, like, oh, my gosh. So I have this friend, and I really want to help them come out. What can I do? Shut the fuck up, leave them alone and let them come to it when they're ready. That's how you can help them, you know? Exactly. And I think sometimes this is that thing that we all get caught up in. And this is why Ash and I are professional gays. So let us just tell you, you have to get certified to be a professional gay. We're just letting you know that too. But there is this interesting space of realizing the privilege of coming to be who you are is your privilege to coming to be who you are regardless of sexuality. And what I love about what you've done in the book here is you're, you're kind of saying, okay, yeah, here I am. I'm this lesbian kind of, you know, I've done my own extreme stuff and everything. And I got this Ted talk and everything, but I'm just saying, I'm seeing the world this way. I'm not saying it's because I'm a lesbian that this is the Bible to do this. It's like, I see the world this way and I'm kind of incorporating some things I've observed from the privilege of what I've got to do in my world to shake things up. I'm inviting you into this versus somebody who says, because I'm a lesbian, this is how you should do this. And this is the way it should be for you. I can't be that person. I, people have said, well, okay, but you're a gay guy who's come out of the closet. So tell me how to be the gay guy to come out of the closet. I can't do that. I can guide you and say, how would this work for you? But I think in your book, this is the same thing. You're inviting people to look at empathy and responsibility and courage and, and the grace and the individuality and all these things that are part of being a leader and saying, here's some things I've observed, but I want you to step into it in your own way and step up. Right. Absolutely. And I, I feel like, again, all of us are a work in progress, but some people are much better at certain aspects of it than the rest of us, right? Like you don't come in with an even level of all of these tools, right? You've gotten to that point in your life by probably being good at some of them and not so great at the other mm-hmm. ones. And and I think exactly exactly what you're saying. Like, I, I can tell you how I did it. Hopefully right. there are things in there that are relatable, but we speak in a way that's, um, it's not even generic enough, but it's that human experience of like, and that's right. what I try to do in the book of like, these aren't these like huge, huge things that happen right. in life that have this giant buildup and you're like waiting for it to be, it's just like, pay attention to your life and right. pay attention to the other humans in your life. And to me, 
pay attention at the times that you screwed up. Like that's right. all of that's where the lessons are for me of like, here's when I was a, not as great of a version of myself as I wanted to be, but I take that away and I hope I don't repeat that. Right. I like right. file that and then I do it differently next time or have the awareness around it next time or am trying to be more inclusive next time. Right. Like, mm-hmm. but it happens when we're at the grocery store or the coffee shop or at our church or all the places that we go, there are always like, that's the thing about leadership to me is human interaction. It's like my interaction with another human. And I have those often. And what does that, what does that look like? You know what I mean? I even, I did it today. I was driving my kid to my boys to daycare and I was driving and this like car went around me and cut me off, whatever. I was so it's like something about the lack of equity in driving right. and people's just like blatant disregard for other people that infuriates me. And I like had the kids in the car, so I'm like relatively normal. Right. But I was just like threw my hands up in the air for them to see in the rear view mirror. And then of course they were mad or whatever, and flipped me off when they went by or whatever. And and then I kind of paused and was like, that's not who I want to be. Like there's right. this like, I feel like a lot of times, especially when we work in like social justice causes that we we bear the weight of morality that we think that we are the last and final arbiter of it in all sets in all situations and we are not right and like does it matter if the woman cut me off i mean it wasn't awesome i wasn't like psyched about it definitely right. was not enough room for her to get in but like end of the day she could have had a terrible morning right i think right. like that's you if when you can think and relate to your own challenges like is she in a terrible relationship are her kids late for school? Is she going to a job that she hates? Like I, I mean, you, I can come up with a thousand, a reasons. million things, exactly. Yeah. yeah, and like it doesn't matter which one of those things are, but it might be one of them. And the chances that it is one of them, and she's just not an evil person, is probably better than not. Mm-hmm. So like that's a, I was like I wasn't who I wanted to be. Plus my kids were in the car. I mean I didn't. I was like no profanity, no whatever. I like, right, right, right. I'm just stick to hand gestures, but <clears> at the same time, like that's. Like it took me out of what I was doing, which was singing along to a soundtrack with my kids because this woman pissed me off. You're just like, who do I want to be? It's like this constant introspection of like, who do I want to be? And am I effectively not even influencing, but like being a positive presence in the lives of other people? Mm-hmm. You know well, what I mean? Should I have just like let her in? Like maybe that would have made her day better. Was it that? You know what I mean? Right. It's just like, constant thing but we get again especially when we when we feel like we have to be defensive or protective or all of these things when we feel marginalized or we work in social justice or whatever that that our way is always the righteous way and and that is just there's no humility in that and and we don't it like doesn't allow us to play well with others well and there's a lot of that there's a lot of that not being humble these days you know and not and not hearing other people and we don't even have to, we don't even have to go in. Everybody hears what we're talking about. Like no matter what side of the divide you are, there's just, there's nobody's willing to listen. And again, I'm like, I get it. I, there's days I'm just like, screw this. I am not doing this. You know, Mm -hmm. I, I, I can't do this with you any longer. But then I also ask myself, I'm going to use part of your book as an example of this. Mm -hmm. Like, how can I take a back seat to this right now? How can I take the back seat? Do I really need to be, you know, front and center in this right now? I don't. And it's interesting that you talked about the gal cutting you off because I was in Staples the, yesterday <clears throat> and walked in and I could tell there was just one guy working at like the copy center thing. And I could tell by the way he was like standing and there was another customer standing there. And I could tell by the way he was standing that his, his shoulders were really like tensed up and he was like moving stuff. And I'm like, oh, this one's not having a good day. And then he kind of turned around and he's like, I'll be with you soon, sir. I'm like, hey, no problem. And then somebody else showed up to another customer. And then, you know, he kind of came and worked, did some stuff with her. And I could just tell by the way he was interacting, he was really, really tense. And he kind of just kind of helped me in a very stilted manner. And then the guy standing next to me, he he turned to him and said, I'll be with you momentarily. And the guy said, I'm sure that's not true. And I'm like, okay, wow. (laughs) I'm like, you just added, you just added more like 
fire to the fuel that's happening or fuel to the fire here. And I could tell it really rubbed the worker uh, really wrong. And he did my little bit that he had to do with me. And as he checked me out, not literally guys, guys, listen, he wasn't checking me out as he checked me out from Staples. <clears throat> I said, I really hope you have a better day because I can tell you're feeling a little pressed right now. And he just looked at me and he just smiled and he said, thank you. That's all it took. That's it. You know? And of course, ass wipe over here totally. is like, oh my God, you're having like this conversation. I am busy. And I, you know, I could have gone like, if you're so busy, maybe you should have got in the car about 10 minutes earlier or what, you know, but that right. would have been me just suddenly like stepping into his world, not knowing anything and making a ton of assumptions. You know? Exactly. Exactly. And, I, and, and, and that just like having that conversation with that guy, did it change his life? Probably not. Did it change his day? Maybe. Probably. Mm -hmm. Right. Like, and that's, and that's all we're doing. Like we think we need to have these like monumental shifts in, right. in perspective or experience. And like, that's not it. You just like take a second. And at the end of the day, that guy could have had no response. Like if he mm -hmm. could have smiled, he could have blown you off, but like you did your part, like you did right. your end of it. And then you walk away feeling better and then you know if it hadn't gone well you're like well next time i maybe i'll say it a little bit sooner or i'll do that you know what i mean you but like right and that's the empathy piece to me always especially with customer service especially now you're like do you think this guy wrote the schedule you right. think he does the exactly. hiring no right. he's busting his ass because right. they're understaffed exactly and like you have the audacity to come in and have these expectations of this kid you have no idea like what's going on that's the thing like does it like, I don't, and sometimes it matters. Like it's not, I, I get riled. Like I, I right. get it, but that's the whole thing. You, you just do, that's the, that little step, right? You do one yep. thing different once. But and I also think too, sometimes, and you know, let's bring it to our lovely, our lovely community. It's very easy for us in the LGBTQ community to get riled about things because we are a marginalized community. So let's, let's not, we're not going to put any sugarcoating on this, but I also found out for me personally, and, and I'm just going to operate from my own purview of the world that the more riled I would get about people who didn't get me, the more it didn't help them get me because, Oh, see, you, there you are. You're just one of those gay men that explodes about everything until finally somebody that I really cared about, who was a friend of mine, not gay said to me, Rick, I love you. I love you when you're being the Rick that's that beautiful, loving, open, caring person. And I can't fucking stand you, man, when you're an asshole. <laughs> and I was just like, ooh, I just got taken to church. Yeah. And she said, I've seen you when you get riled about not getting accepted and stuff. And she goes, there's like this whole other persona. She goes, you talk about your father being a narcissist. She goes, buddy, there's enough of that in you. You need to be watching that. And of course it was starting to like, I was starting to get triggered a little bit. Sure. And she goes, and I'm sure right now the asshole's just sitting there about to explode at me. And I thought, okay, wow. I need to take a backseat here. Yeah. Because it helped me start to see a piece of myself. And even my husband in loving ways is like, yeah, I've seen you change so much over the years where that like ready to go, like let's ready to go because there is this defensiveness that's, I can't help it. Our community has the defensiveness to it because we have been pushed down and told you can't be this. But as I work with guys in midlife who are still str struggling to be who they want to be in the world, I'm like, let me give you one little insight here about leading your, so I'm going to use kind of your thing of leading yourself. You need to fucking get that pebble in your shoe out of your shoe about being a gay man. And if you can move that pebble and just accept that not everything is about you being a gay man and not everybody's got a chip on your shoulder about it. I wonder what will be different for you. And Ash, every time I bring that up for most of the guys, it's like this huge light bulb just went off. Like, wow, I didn't realize how my being gay and my coming out experience and not being accepted, how much that still is that pebble in the shoe. And the first time I saw this really prevalent was with a gay guy who was very high up in an organization. He was about to be moved into a CEO position. And there was some people on the board fighting, having him moved up. And he went right there. It's because I'm 
gay. They don't like that I have a husband. And I said, really? Did you ask him that? He said, no. <laughs> I did what I just did on camera. I kind of like raised my eyebrows and did a little smirk. And he goes, oh. I said, what if you didn't make the assumptions that we all make because we happen to be gay or lesbian or bi or trans or whatever? I said, maybe there's something they're just not 100% comfortable with you being in the leadership position. And it has nothing to do with you being a gay guy who's married, who has children. What if there's something else? He came back a week later and he said, I sat down with one of the board members that was opposing. And of course, I'm like, yes, <laughs> you know, I'm like dancing, right? And he said, the honest truth was, they think I'm a pretty decent guy. They just not sure I have enough life experience to be taken over, but they have actually been talking about amongst themselves. Is this about just because we're old white people who are used to like the next person as the CEO needs to kind of look like this? And, I, and he said, the conversation was so good. Three weeks later, he was CEO of the company. Oh my word, that's amazing. Because he gave himself permission to have the conversation. And I think that that's such a huge piece of it that we need to be able to see ourselves. Like I think a lot of times you do, when I'm a leader, I can come out or when I'm the leader, I can be authentic because I have the status that is mm -hmm. non-threatened, right? Yeah. And A, that's a complete false sense of security, right? What happens when you go through the process completely authentically and your development is based in the fact that you are gay first and then you make your way up with that authenticity like there's something about the secretness secretiveness of it that that really takes away from who you are if you can't mm -hmm. do both it's not like you achieve something and then you can be authentic the path is so much better if you start off authentic and make your way up that way, whether that's up sideways, whichever, whichever direction right. you're going in your professional development, but there's no bomb drops, right? Like there's no, you are you through and through and you are yourself and a leader. Like those things are, yeah. are inextricable, right? right? Because that's- Well, there, there's no- there's no compartmentalizing. It's like, I'm this, I'm this, I'm this, I'm all of these things. And, and I find it very empowering when I can see someone in our community who sees them as that hundred percent blended self. Because you're, you're not having to make, I mean, and I know I came out late in life. Okay. So you, you said twenties, I'm like, bitch, I didn't come out until I was 36. So shut the fuck up, <laughs> you know, but even that was something like, oh, I'm so special. And then I heard people, I mean, now I've, the oldest person I've had the blessed privilege of coaching was 76 years old. Oh my word. And I was just like, I mean, I get chills when I just even say that yeah. because he was such a beautiful person. He's like, yeah, I just finally, well, actually he's, he's from Colorado. <laughs> he lived on the Western slope, little old farmer yeah. guy had his orchard there he goes he goes i've always kind of known i was something different but i really love my my wife and and i've been content being who i am he goes but it was finally time when she passed i knew i could finally be myself and oh. he goes i could and i'm like whoosh you know but then suddenly there was this beautiful he goes i've always been this and when i when he said i've always been this it was like man i wish i could bottle that up and hand it to so many people. You always have been this. Don't feel like you have to be this and then this, and then you can finally do this. And I, again, I'm not knocking anybody that's like, that's how they see it. I'm just saying from personal experience, I know that's exactly what you're saying, Ash, is my alignment when I did come out, I was in a company that was very, very supportive. I didn't think twice about, I mean, I went from that company when I got laid off because I was gay. I got laid off because they're like, You're, yeah, we can't afford you no more. And plus we're doing a merger to another company. I literally, literally, this is 80 or uh, early. It was 2000. So it would have been actually 2000, 2000, 2001. <clears throat> In the interview, I'm talking about all these things and all this stuff because I came from married. I'm telling them how we could do these things and all this sort of stuff. And I said, you know, and I was explaining to my husband what I was going to talk about in this interview. 
And I thought, oh, fuck, did I? Because I lived in Orange County, California. <laughs> and they're like, cool. We love you. We want you. And I realized, wow, I was just being me. And if they hadn't hired me, I probably wouldn't have jumped to the conclusion because I mentioned my husband, which really wasn't my husband at the time, but he was my partner and I called him my husband. For me, that's what works. For me, just being authentically who I am is what works. And it keeps my life so much less clumsy. Oh yeah, you don't you just don't have to you don't have to remember much. You know what I mean? Because it's the same. I story, did too many no years of that. Oh yeah, god, absolutely. for for thirteen years wow. of being married to a woman, the the stories I had to keep straight. Oh my god, right? It just it exactly. was painful, and and I think that's the beauty of what you're saying. Even within Step Up, is when you follow this, and again, go by the book, people. <laughs> There's some very simple, beautiful principles of whether it's about the discomfort or aligning with the authenticity or all these different things that are in here. You can be a, a so much better leader, even if it's you're just leading yourself. Absolutely. Even if that's all there is. So. Yeah, I completely agree. And I think that you there's this, you don't have to, I mean, some people, they come out of what, and again, come out in a broader sense, right? Come out with this authenticity, come out with this version of themselves. Like you blast it out on Facebook or you whatever. But I think what you and I are saying, like you just have to do that with one person. Like that is progress. You just do it with one person on your team at work, with yep. one person in your community. You bring up your partner, spouse, or your fact that your, I don't know, your child has a, different ability level yep. or yep. you like the things that make you who you are outside of your job are critical for people to know. So they have a better understanding of you and all of the ways they were pulled. And I feel like that was one thing about COVID is when we got this glimpse in people's homes, it yeah. changed how we saw them as, as humans. Um, humans, right. That like exist far beyond what work looks like. And, and so I think you just do that with one person. <clears throat> Or if you're the leader of the team, then you establish that as part of your one-on-ones for five minutes of those, you don't talk about work. Mm -hmm. You talk about anything else, the things that they care about, what, what motivates right. them, what are they interested in outside of work, any of that right. stuff, right? You get to know them as a person and Absolutely. then that fosters connection. It's so much easier to have a hard conversation when you know somebody as a human, so much easier to empathize with them and support them when you know them as a human and as leaders we kind of have to show our cards first, like that vulnerability that my therapist has this thing where it's like the, kind of like the Superman move, which is mm -hmm. like the same as vulnerability. And like that, that is showing your superpower is your, is being able to be authentically yourself, like all, all the parts of you. And, and I think that that is something that is so critical for, for people to know as they're moving forward is that it just takes one. If you're, you practice your authenticity in certain spaces, right? right? Could be your best friend, could be your partner, could be your what? It could be anywhere, but you do it with one person, and, and that's where you figure it out. That's where you stumble over the words. That's where you get riled and realize that you have to check yourself, right? And and then mm -hmm. you broaden it. And it's one more person and one more person again. It's these it's these gradual steps. And some people just like blow the doors open and right. that's it. Here I am, out 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 right. out here I am. But like a lot of other people, it's if you're trying to just step into it, you want to put your toe in it, you have to practice the skills. Like you, you have to do it and stumble to be able to do it right confidently in a, in a situation that's maybe a little bit more high stakes. Like you have to build up your tolerance for that discomfort. Which we've seen a lot of discomfort through COVID. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, we saw so, you know, there were people, so I've worked from home since 2001. I mean, in some, not, 100%. But I mean, 2001, that company I talked about interviewing with, it wasn't I wasn't even a year into it where they're like, Yeah, you can you can come in, you know, you don't only have to be in the office four days a week. And then I went to three and then oh, you can be here two days a week. I was doing this like work from home shit long before everybody else was. But it was interesting to watch through COVID how we did get to know each other. We, we got to see the human side. And we also got to see the vulnerable side of some people going, I don't know how to do this. I need my, my husband is a very, I'm a social person, 
but I love my autonomy. <laughs> I'm like, let me just stay in my little office here. I, I can be productive when you just leave me the fuck alone, right? Definitely. But he had to get used to, and we have worked at home together for a long time too, because he was in outside sales. So there was a lot of times he was working, you know, from home as much as he would go into the office to do stuff. But there was suddenly like this, like, oh, wow, how's this going to work? You know, I was cool because I'm like, I, this is my, this is my domain. Right. But I saw him go through the, like this whole thing. And I saw other people online, like, I'm not sure how to be present here. And of course, then we saw the fun side of people's stuff too. Like, <laughs> I wish somebody would do like a, you know, kind of like a, a anthology of zoom underwear shots from COVID. I think it would be so freaking funny. Right. Absolutely. I, mean, I, I, I discovered Mac Weldon underwear because I saw some guy on Instagram or somewhere who stood up when he wasn't supposed to. I'm like, Oh, I kind of like that underwear. I wonder what it is. So I did. Oh, I reached out so to him great. and said, um, okay, I don't want you to get weird because you're going to look at my profile and you're going to see I'm a gay guy. I am not trying to talk about your junk, but I really like your underwear. What brand is it? And he's, he wrote back, said, LOL. He goes, they're Mac Weldon. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. And now I'm a Mac Weldon devotee because of that. But it's such an That's interesting hilarious. thing to see the vulnerability of how when we get put into these experiments which life to me is one great experiment that if we don't take the moments to lead and let others lead we can really screw this up and i think we're in that juxtaposition right now where there's a lot of leading 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 i need to be right you need to you know you're wrong blah blah and we're 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 screwing up the experiment folks we're just literally and i would like to invite everybody who's at pride or going to a pride this month because it's it's in we're in full swing i know there's already been a couple that have happened and right right after this podcast airs there's gonna be a whole bunch of because we're at the beginning of june but to ask yourself how can i show up at pride and really open the doorway to just letting everybody be who they are just be who they are that is a really great leadership role Absolutely. Even though we're in, even though we're in the f- space of fun, which for some people going to Pride is the most petrifying thing they've ever done in their life, but then then be cognizant, be empathetic to that, like let uh, recognize the discomfort that each other is in. So, um, all right, so we're gonna wait another ten years before we have another conversation, right, Ash? <laughs> well, everything will be fixed by then. Well, of course, you know, we're this podcast is going to fix everything, and your book is um, going to fix everything. But um, there we go. So what's next real quick before we wrap up, what what's kind of coming down the pike for you? Going to, you know, are you going to have any more babies? No, I'm kidding. Well, maybe no, you are. Yeah, I don't know. I, no, no, no. I think we're good. I think we were tapped out on the babies. I feel like yeah. the almost, almost 50. I, I I'm having a hard enough time getting up and down with the, with the one-year-old now. So right, I, right. I feel like my knees don't have one more in me, but yeah. But any more um, books, any still speaking and yeah, all that good hopefully, stuff? Yeah. You know, I feel like if, uh, you probably have the same experience, but you know, virtual is one thing, but if you're right. a, people person like there's nothing like getting back in in person so i feel like that's starting to happen i feel like people are you know obviously it's a blend now of like how to make a hybrid environment inclusive you know and i feel like when you're it's so interesting when people experience exclusion in any way then they know what it feels like right like all you have to do is be excluded once you need to be the one that's different one time you need to be the straight person who's uncomfortable in a gay bar to know what it feels like to not belong and then all of a sudden everything changes so now that we have that we're, i'm having these like how do we have inclusion in a hybrid environment in a workplace people know what it's like when you're the only person that's calling in on zoom and everybody leaves the meeting and you don't even like nobody said goodbye they don't, or they just like hang up on you and then all the banter happens afterwards like you know what it's like to be excluded and to be isolated and to feel alone. Now, a lot of people for the first time have ever felt that. So they get exclusion and the importance of inclusion because they've experienced it. So I feel like that's kind of a, a trend now for sure. Um, I feel like there's another book brewing, you know, I'm, I always like pay attention to the, the world. And so now there's like, you know, more lessons. I feel like there's lessons everywhere. Parenthood of course is giving me a bunch of lessons. The first one came out, before our second was born and um, mm. Luke was just two years old. So I feel like there's lessons there, but again, they're, they're so much, so much broader than, than just that. So I feel like, you know, there's a constant note in my phone of like, Oh, that'd be a good topic, you know, resilience right. and right, self-care right. and like all the things. So um, I think that's there, but yeah, just hopefully um, 
a little bit more working with um, corporations. A lot of people, you probably find this too, but they're incorporating this kind of training in their onboarding of people. Like I'm doing one this summer that's with yep. the internship program because they need, they want people to know from the very beginning, this is, this is what our culture is and it yep. is based in this. And so welcome, if you embrace that, to you are at a competitive disadvantage to be hired by this company if you don't embrace those things. Here's some tools to figure out how to do it, right? So I feel like that, that feels so good. And then people are, you know, companies are at different stages. So uh, that work is just always so, so fascinating to me. So yeah, staying, staying busy. Yeah. You'll appreciate, we'll wrap this up with a quick little story. You'll appreciate this story. Yeah. So right after you and I had the first interview, you know, back in the stone age, <laughs> yeah. uh, I was speaking on a stage at Cal State Long Beach in California. And I don't know if you've ever felt this way, but I'm like, oh my God, if I have to get up on the stage and tell my coming out story one more time, I think I'm just going to vomit, you know? And I love telling my story, but if the, you know, after you've done it, it you got to keep shaking things up, right? Yes. And this was one of those where it was like a gender studies week. So I'm the speaker for 400 kids who, you know why they're all there. It's for the grade. We have to right. come and we have to come here for the grade. So I show up like I'm not in the energy. I'm not in the energy. It's a Wednesday night. It's like at 730 in the evening. I'm like, these kids are not, their mind is not here. They're hungry. They'd rather be drinking beer, whatever. Right. But I'm like, okay, put on your happy shoes. Here we go. Right. And I walked on stage and I'm starting to do what I know how to do. And then I'm like, wait, uh, I got to do something different here. And to what you were just talking about, you know, like how to, you know, bring different perspectives in and help people really get it. I said, you know what? Uh, let's get real. I said, not that I'm not being real with you because I'm always really, really real, but let's get real here. I want you all to all close your eyes. Of course, I said, <laughs> please don't fall asleep. Close your eyes. And if you're in this auditorium, for this class or the class, whatever class you're here for, to get the grade, to get the degree at this college, because somebody else said, this is what you're supposed to do. Raise your hand. Now look around you. About 70% of the hands were up in that room. I said, this is exactly what it feels like to be somebody who's LGBTQ. We are told you're supposed to be this. You can't be this because everybody else has an expectation how you're supposed to show up in the world. And that was the moment I asked that everything changed for me as a speaker. I don't have to just be Mr. LGBTQ. I can now bring this in a wider way. And that's what I love about what you've done with Step Up and how you brought it to the world, because this isn't you raising, <laughs> waving a pride flag per se. It's like, let's have another conversation here. Let, let me show you what I've seen and heard in the years that I've been doing what I've been doing. Yeah, there's bits of it that show up, but this isn't about any of us. <laughs> We're not grooming any of y'all promise. We are not grooming you in any way, shape or form. And that's what I love about what you brought in this book. So thank you for sharing it and being it and bringing it to the world. And uh, Oh, thanks so much. And Rick, I love that story because I feel like the one experience that all, so many of us have when we've embraced that full version of ourselves is how much more, our how much more beautiful our life is at that point. Mm -hmm. And I guess my perspective in it is I just want everybody to have that beauty in their life. Like think of the world that we would live in if that's how people were able to see themselves, that mm -hmm. they were able to live authentically without fear. And granted, there's a lot of things outside that have to change, but again, it's that, it's that look in and it's, it makes me so hopeful for a world where, where, where people can really tap into their true power when, when they don't waste any energy being any other version of themselves and who they were truly True, who they truly want to be. That's a powerful thing. All of you who listen to me, you know, I do this pretty regularly with authors. If anybody would like Ash's book, the first person who sends me an email to rick at rickclemens.com, I'm going to send you Ash's book from me because I think it would be very powerful. Now, all of y'all that do listen to me, you, you, you have to be the first time you requested a book, okay? There's a lot of you that request, I love you all, but I can't afford to keep sending the same person. Well, I could because I'm going to spend the same money, but I would like somebody who's never gotten a book. If you want it, reach out, say, hey, Rick, I'd really like that book. And I'm going to send it to you because I think it's a really powerful book and I'd love to have it in your hands. So 
my gift to you uh, and them, Ash. So I um, so appreciate that. And you know what, Rick? Why don't I uh, let me know what it is and I'll send a signed copy. Awesome. Okay, cool. Yeah, absolutely. We'll figure it out Very afterwards. Cool. We'll figure um, out. That's cool. So anyway. great. I love what you do, man. It's so good. You to too. Connect. You Let's too. Let's not wait 10 years. And we're both, hey, I'm just going to say we're both aging pretty darn good. So let's make sure that yeah. in 10 years, we still look this good absolutely. again. So absolutely. <laughs> it's all about the cream and the facials, people just saying. <laughs> all right. Well, have a good day. Thanks again so much, Ash, for being who you are. Oh, absolutely. Thanks for everything you do, Rick. Really, really enjoyed it. Hey, 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 Life Uncloseted family. Another episode of Life Uncloseted has come to an end and it is time for all of us to sashay away and go face our fears, make those bold moves, and stand up to living our life without apology. But before you do, I've got a favor to ask of you. Would you hop over to iTunes or Spotify or Podbean or wherever it is that you're listening to this and just give us a little bit of love if you like what we're doing here at Life Uncloseted. Here's what it does. It helps other people find the show. It helps other people get to know what we're all about. And you just might help change a life. In fact, if you really want to change a life, we'd love it if you just ask a friend to take a listen and see what they think. So that's it. Love you all deeply. I'm Rick Clemens, the host of Life Uncloseted. And never stop stepping out, stepping up, and stepping in to living your life uncloseted.